Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston and I am the Intern Whisperer and today's tip of the week is about the future of jobs. So are tech workers still in demand? Well, yes, according to Media Peanut, the employment situation remains strong as there's 175,700 jobs that have been added to the sector so far in 2022. Now, while most of those are gonna be mid to senior level people, there is that is what the indicators are telling us. Most hiring occurs as a result of attrition rather than an expansion of the workforce. A positive job market for IT professionals is predicted to continue into 2023. What does this mean for hiring? Well, it means that everybody needs to keep an eye on the growth of no-code development platforms and your own industry needs. IT is experiencing exponential growth and hiring managers, HR professionals, and CEOs want to stay informed so that they can make sure that they're following their own industry, knowledge, trends, and also what those job indicators are telling us. So I want to welcome Mackenzie Souther to our show. I am so excited to have you. I met you at uh, the Future of Ed Tech. Yeah. This is how our first meeting went. When I came over, I said, hi, are you working here? Are you part of class? And you said, yes. And what you told me is I'm a part of the team, but I'm an influencer. And I went, that is so brilliant that they bring <laughs> somebody that's an influencer to help with an ed tech product. That is a really smart marketing move. But you're even more than that. You've been a public classroom teacher. You also have your own brand up there. So you're, you know, your own entrepreneur. You have so many great things that you're going to be able to share with my listening audience. And they are thrilled to have you. I know. I know that. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, me too. And one of the things I follow you on TikTok and, and I, well, and now on Instagram, but I look for you there on TikTok usually. And I go, oh, I love your education stories. And I, I know our listeners don't really know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> we'll kind of jump into what the, the show is. So first, and then we'll get into, you know, how the rest of it all happened. Yeah. Um, so I always open the show with, tell us about yourself using only five words and why those five words. Okay. My five words, creative. I mean, obviously I do all, all the filming, all the things I love being creative. It's like, it feels good to be creative. Um, dog mom. If you follow me on social media, I'm obsessed with my two golden retrievers. They are like my whole life. Um, silly, compassionate and optimistic would hmm. be my five. I like those. Um, I would say that every teacher I've ever met has always had to be super creative. So that's a given. And quite frankly, every teacher, nobody thinks twice about you having a side gig. So the fact that you are very entrepreneurial, you fit the mold. And then yeah. also um, dogs, who doesn't love dogs? Come on now. <laughs> I was just on an airplane the other day and a, with a, a dog, I was taking a dog to my grandma. It was a long story, but a lady just looked at me and said, I don't like dogs. I was like, okay, I'll move. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's so sad. So sad. so sad. Maybe she's allergic or she has a real fear, even though they're in what a little carrying container. Yeah. And she's hypoallergenic. I mean, maybe you couldn't tell, but, uh, it was a very interesting conversation. I was like, all right, I won't sit here. Mm -hmm. So people like that exist. <laughs> so to me, the creative word is because as a public classroom teacher, I originally, I thought I was going to go the route of education and be, um, you know, elementary school, yeah. I took one class and yeah. we had to make all of the decorations for the room. And I said, forget this. I'm oh, in yeah. middle and high school. So I give you serious props. You are so creative. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So do you think that that creativity that you have has also been the thing that has helped propel you forward with your own brand, with your own um, side gig, if you will, <laughs> you know, that yeah. you're now a business. Yeah. I think 
it absolutely has. Um, if I didn't, if I didn't feel like it was serving a purpose, I wouldn't do it. Um, or if it was like very self-serving, I don't think I would do it, but being creative and, uh, getting to connect with other people is the greatest thing. It's the greatest side job ever. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have two dogs that's unusual. So dog mom, but you were also talking about now, maybe I've missed some of the series, but you were talking about becoming foster parents. Did you yeah. with dogs or with real children? No, no, no. With children. My husband says no more dogs. We are at our, our max two is good, but um, yeah, we are opening up our home for foster children to be emergency foster parents to kids in needs. Wow. So really admirable. That's what I thought it was too. And when I say admirable, it's hard. It is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Being, I mean, I'm sure you've been in education, you've gotten to see a different side of fostering, I think, than a lot of people get to see. Um, And I'm excited to be that like support system for families in a different way than I was as a teacher. So it'll be an adventure. Yeah, it certainly will because you know be living with you, and I don't know about you, but I also taught at risk, mm-hmm. and yep. the at risk were pretty much like what you're describing in the foster care system. Yeah, yeah, it's, very, yeah. It's sad, yeah. but it's also very rewarding. Yes, yeah, it is sad. I think you know it takes a village, and I want to be a part of that village. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't golden retrievers, what would your other favorite breed of dog be? I grew up with German shepherds. So uh, I think that'll be our next pup. If we ever get another one, we'll Mm -hmm. see. (laughs) Are these brother and sister dogs or, I mean, are they siblings? No, I got Brinkley. um, And then I really wanted him to grow up with and like, because they're pack animals. So I wanted them. I wanted him to have someone. And then I found Penelope in a garage. Um, a guy like had some puppies. It was, he wasn't a breeder when it, I mean, it shows she has severe epilepsy and a lot of other health problems, Mm. but, um, so they're about three months apart. So yeah. Yeah. Smart. And they're so protective of their families. Yeah. And they're sweeter than sweet. They're the best. They're both by my feet right now. (laughs) Yeah. And again, really smart dogs. I don't know how they compare to a German shepherd, but they're pretty smart. Yeah. So why compassionate? Ooh. So I used to think, and maybe this is, maybe you can relate. I feel like I can read people's emotions and then I like take those emotions in for them. Um, and I, like my whole goal is to change the world. I, I want to make the world a better place, even if that's the smallest thing. But I always used to think something was wrong with me. Like if I would talk to someone and I could feel their sadness, I would get sad and I would start to cry. Or um, if someone was mad, I could start to feel that. And I I did. I used to think something was so wrong with me. And then through therapy and talking with family I realized like, no, that's a great thing that you have. And that's a gift that you should really lean into. And it did, it's helped me with teaching because I can connect with those kiddos that maybe don't connect with other people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's almost like, um, let's see, guardians of the galaxy an empath. Yes. Em- yeah. Empathic personality because you're feeling what they feel. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool. I think that most teachers, exhibit that same, you know, compassion and empathy for the families. And I mean, they're your kids for 180 yes. days. Yes. So, yeah. Yep. A lot of days. Yeah. <laughs> so why optimistic? Ooh, I, um, I always go back and forth on if this is nature versus nurture, because my mom has told me like, when you were born, you like came out smiling, like you woke up happy every day. But I think the obstacles that life has thrown at me, um, I have made it a really big point to be thankful for what I have instead of wishing for what I don't have. Mm -hmm. And I try to live by that every day. You know what, all of my shows so far, and I have one more after this, have been about being in a place of gratitude and thankfulness. 
I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's <laughs> we're getting close to Thanksgiving, but yeah. it just seems to come up. It bubbles up organically by the guest. And I'm going, okay, there's something that's going on because it's a, you know, it's people all over the United States that I've talked to. It's not just yeah. in Florida and you're not in Florida. So. No, I'm in California. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. very, very different. Uh, silly. I would say that would have been the one I would have led with because I think your videos are so funny. They always make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to take life too seriously. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is when you teach kids, I teach um, three-year-olds at church. And wow. so that's, my, yeah, but that's my favorite age because they already know how to go to the bathroom by themselves. They're very articulate. Um, teaching children, and I don't know if this applies for you, it reminds me of how to work with adults because they want to be seen, they want to be heard, they want to be accepted, and they want to be respected. And I go, okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah. We have to remind them to have fun. Yes. Yeah. That's probably one of my most favorite videos that I was able to share. Or one of my most favorite stories is, uh, one of my kiddos who looked at me and was like, this is the first adult to talk to me and not talk at me. And I was like, Oh, that is life-changing because we don't look at kids as like humans, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I remember that. I remember that uh, video that you put up and that was really so moving and so true, yeah. you know, because usually people, there is a difference when you talk to somebody, it's like, there's, no exchange it's just one direction right right and if you were talked at all day like how productive would you be you probably wouldn't be so why would kids be any different mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it, it probably applies to animals too I think to a large yeah. extent because I don't know if you're teaching your dogs how to do the the buttons and talk to you no no I've seen that though <laughs> yeah that's super super smart but, um, but I sit here and I go, but they do talk to us in different ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> how did you get from wherever you went to college and feel free to start at that point in time, because just so our listeners know just about every teacher I know that's teaching in a public school has to go to college. Maybe yes. there's an exception, but not that I'm aware of. And how'd you get from college to where you are now? Yeah. Um, well, I, my college career was not typical. I think maybe it is. Uh, I started going to a community college and I was going to do business school. And my mom said, you know, uh, you're never going to make any money as a teacher. I want you to do business. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. So then I switched majors to nursing, um, thinking that that would be better suited. And then my mom actually broke her foot and I passed out. <laughs> I was like, oh, not. nursing's probably not my calling. So I went back to business uh, and I went to Sac State. I got into the honors business program and I failed every class. I hated it. I didn't see a point in it. I didn't have a purpose in it. And I, it was at a weird time in my life. My dad had just passed away and I felt like I couldn't leave my mom yet because she was by herself. And um, she started dating someone who's amazing. He's my stepdad now. And I finally, after like a year of business school and just hating it, uh, I told her I was dropping out and that I was moving across the country to Nashville. And she was devastated but she was like like you need to like go spread your wings so I moved to Nashville and I started at an online program at Oregon State University for human development and family science and one of the requirements was to volunteer at some kind of like after school program and I did and within a week they gave me my own classroom to have and I called my mom and I said, I want to move home, but I want to become a teacher. And she was like, I know you were meant to be a teacher. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I steered you in the wrong direction. And it worked out great because now I use business as much as I use like teaching skills. Oh, yeah. uh, 
but yeah, so then I moved back home. I went to Sac State. Um, I got my teaching credential. Uh, I started teaching and never looked back. And then I met my husband and he is a lineman for the power companies. So last year, uh, he got a job in Michigan. So I thought we were moving to Michigan. We sold our house. We moved all of our stuff out there and come to find out that that job was moving him every like two to three weeks. So he just oh looked at himself. Yeah. And I was like, I cannot teach out here. Like I, I was, I was prepared to leave my job. I had already put in my two weeks notice and said like, you know, we're moving out of state, but I was fully prepared to get a new teaching job in Michigan. But when I saw, and it wasn't like we were moving like 30 minutes away. It was like across the state he was going. Mm. So I said, I I can't take a teaching job like this. Like, what am I going to do? And uh, we talked a lot about it. And I decided like, I would just sub wherever we were. I would just be a sub and, and make that work. And within that week, um, class technologies reached out to me and said, Hey, would you ever be interested in working for us? And it's actually funny because I ignored them because I thought it was spam. And then, um, they reached out again and I sat down with them and chatted. And I was like, this sounds like something I would love to do. Uh, so the week that I decided to not go back in the classroom was the week that I got a job and it just worked out. And then my husband ended up moving back to California and we moved down to Southern California and it's just been go, go, go ever since. (laughs) Mm. Are you an only child also? No, I have, um, a sister who is eight years older and a brother who is 14 years older. Oh, so you're the baby of the family. I am. Yeah. So kind of an only child. (laughs) Yeah, kind of, but I was going, but are you an only child? Because you talked about not wanting to leave your mom. And I went, okay, maybe, but yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely, um, my mom and I just like, our personalities match really well. So we've always been best friends. Um, So yeah, yeah. And now now we're finally moved to Sacramento. We're here for nine years because he signed a contract for nine years. So we're not, we moved eight times in a year. Yeah. It was a lot. Um, so now I'm in the classroom part-time and working for class part-time. Did you ever think about teaching online with online education? They have Florida online education here. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not against it. It just... I, it really worked out that class was giving me the flexibility to be an aide in the classroom because I really miss that like classroom feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get to do that two days a week and then I get to work full time for class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have the best possible life, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, truly, because you've got a, a corporate job where all of that business that you learned was kicking in there. You've got this online presence of it's always your backup plan, right? And I'm sure you do well with that. And that's where that business school kicked in there. And yeah. you also have the ability to still work with little ones. And to me, I, I don't know about you, but I took this one in service class and it was about how to bring economics into the classroom. Yeah. And I was an English teacher. And the more that you can actually relate uh, real world concepts mm-hmm. to let's say math and go, okay, so I know you can use your phone <laughs> to add and subtract, but can you do it without the phone? And see if yeah. kids can do that because that's the bigger challenge now is being able to do yeah. things independently from technology. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think technology has a lot of benefits, but I also think there's some downsides to it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, do you teach cursive writing? Yeah, but it's not mandatory. So I made, I made it a point to teach it, um, when I taught the big kids, cause I taught third and fourth grade for a while, um, before going to kindergarten and I always taught cursive and it wasn't, it's not a standard. It's nothing that's mandated to teach, which I think is so sad. It is. There's something really wrong with that, that a digital signature suffices when 
you know, you need people that can sign their own name. Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so there's that, but the concept of bringing economics into the classroom was obviously something that was pretty significant. Mm -hmm. And I like that concept. So do you try to bring in some of the aspects of what you've learned in business into the classroom of kids? Yeah, I think just bringing in any real life situation into the classroom is super beneficial to them. Um, Especially now when things are so at their fingertips all the time, if something doesn't have meaning to them, they automatically turn off their brain and they don't care. Mm -hmm. So you have to really make it matter and show them like why, like why are fractions important? You know, Um, it, it really is a game changer to bring in like outside life to the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, let me make sure I stay on track here with what I'm doing, but how, how did you get started as an influencer and for other people? Because I have interns, my business is interns and I help match intern yeah. talent to employers. Yeah. We match like a dating site. So it's people to people and we match That's based cool. on cognitive skills, competencies, not yeah. necessarily, um, you know, like what programming languages do you know? Not those kind of things. Yeah. So, you know, when you're looking at these, these different aspects of what you can do in the classroom, what you can't do, I I think I'm veering off a little bit, but you know, another idea popped into my head is the ability to, again, tie things into real world applications, super important, but it was, it was helpful for them to be able to see that but kindergarten is the challenge. How do you try to teach a kindergartner, kindergartner things that are developmental? Like relatable to them, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's where a lot of my old crap moments come in is that, you know, you're trying to get the balance of like, what is real life to them and what is appropriate to them? And then you're like, oh no. <laughs> they know <laughs> you're an influencer. Do they understand that? Um. My kindergarten, so when I went viral, I was teaching fourth grade. Okay. Um, And my, some of my kindergartners, they will say things. I mean, when I see them that are like, oh, I saw you on TikTok last night, or my mom watches your TikTok, but I don't think that they grasp, grasp the concept of it. Like my fourth business. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I started influencing because of my fourth graders so did they see it as like this could be a business were they savvy enough to understand that um no so with the way that technology is and social media is I don't think my kids and I think this is like true for a lot of kids they don't see it as a business they see it as a lifestyle Mm -hmm. and what happened was COVID hit. Everyone got on TikTok. I got on TikTok, but I didn't, I wasn't really on it, on it. And then when I started teaching, we were in person the whole time during COVID. Um, we were 50, 50. So I had half my kids in the morning and half my kids in the afternoon. And they were talking about TikTok. And when I asked them, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? An influencer, all of them. Mm. And so, um, I posted a couple of crap moments of just like funny things with teaching, not thinking much about it. And it started getting traction and they like trying to figure out like, what is this TikTok thing? Why do they all want to be on it? And they found my TikTok, you know, the algorithm works. It'll show your video to people around you pretty much, at least at the time. And so they all saw it. And then I posted the first mega viral um, TikTok, which was asking celebrities to say hi to my class. And I saw such a learning opportunity, not just with giving back because we did, we ended up raising over $50,000 for a children's hospital. It was freaking amazing, but I saw an opportunity to show them that it's not all like glitz and glamor, like you think. And I really wanted to be that transparency, not just for them, but to anyone that watches my social media, I'm very honest about like what that life is like and that a lot of things aren't real. So um, it's kind of turned into (coughs) anyone can do it, but be honest about it kind of thing. Yeah. The transparency is so important because I don't, 
I, I think they may think that, oh, everybody's like the Kardashian family, right? Yeah. That is a very scripted type of right. show. So right. How real is it? Yeah. Or even just like sharing everything all the time. You know, I don't post my husband very much. Um, and all of my followers know, like he did not choose the influencer life like I did. And they're all very respectful of that. But I really wanted to show my kids that, you know, you can have this great community and this great following, but like you can have boundaries for yourself and boundaries are so important on the internet. And we don't really have a lot of those. <laughs> no, not at all. And not healthy, healthy ways of um, showing them how to even handle that right. type of notoriety that comes with this. It too much is given, much is required. <laughs> so yeah principle you know or whatever it is that peter parker said in spider yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's that same principle there yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway you know i always wonder if if that if that really happens i just remember kids coming up to me and again i taught middle and high school and i'd be in the grocery store and they go what you're here <laughs> like, yeah. yes yeah I eat food yes I go places the grocery store is such an exciting place to be you know right. so do they still go oh, there she is even though they're in the classroom with you and they see you oh yeah yeah I just went to a high school football game uh last week and all of my fourth graders are now sixth graders and they were cheerleading and they were so excited. They're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm watching the game. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's like that teachers aren't human kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's also an, a good barrier to break down. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I know we touched on what class, the name of the company that hired you, but why yeah. don't you tell our listeners what is that particular company? Because yes, they're classy, but... That's yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they are um, an ed tech company that is building a classroom or they have built a classroom on top of Zoom. So, you know, we were all thrusted into online teaching during the pandemic. And I think what a lot of educators could see is that Zoom was not a classroom and it was not built for children and or even just teaching in general. If you teach college or if you teach adults, um, it was not built for that. And so the CEO, Michael Chasen, he was the founder of Blackboard, which is something I used in college. I don't know. Are you familiar? Yeah, with yeah, yeah. I had to use it. I was teaching adult learners. So I had to go and use, yeah. use that as a teacher too. Yeah. Yeah. So he was home with his kids and he saw them learning and he was like, this is not going to work. So he partnered with a couple people and they created this online classroom and it is the coolest thing. I wish we would have had it during the pandemic. Um, it just, I mean, I could go on and on and like geek out about it because it's super cool, but just a couple things. You can see your breakout rooms mm -hmm. at all times, which I think is amazing because I have some oh crap moments from online teaching when I couldn't see what my kids were doing in breakout rooms. Um, and you it tracks everything it tracks attendance for you it tracks speaking time it tracks who's participating um it's just it's a really cool program and i think that we're moving towards online education more and this is going to be a big game changer for that mm -hmm. yeah one of the things that i you know you can go to the website it's is it class.com yep yeah class.com so on their website i remember there being a video and it was a, a demo video and it was showing what you could do with it and i went holy cow this yeah. is a game changer for real because yeah. you know you need to know um okay you've stepped away from your computer and you know you need to be back and you can't yeah. put it on freeze and all yep. of the other little things that were going on in the classroom yeah. Oh yeah. There's googly eyes. So like if we're talking in class right now, when I click into my browser to look at something, googly eyes will pop up. So it shows that I'm not paying attention here. Um, if I launch a website for my kids, it launches in class. So they don't have to go to, to an outside app. They don't have to go to Google Chrome to look at something. It's just, it's such a game changer in online ed. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad to hear that too, because yeah. you guys also were in the, um, 
you guys, I think you won the half million, maybe not, uh, in the Arizona State uh, EdTech competition that was last year. Did you? I don't know. Maybe not. I'm I not sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. It's the GSV, um, Arizona State, you know, mm -hmm. it was. I know we were there. Yeah. I don't think we won. <laughs> I don't know, but I know that you guys did the nosebleed going up really fast with the yeah. raising funds. You guys yeah. funded pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's so, amazing. So to work with that company, um, what is your role then with them? So I started out as just doing their social media. Um, you do I would... all the content creation for them? Yeah. So, uh, there's a whole brand team now that will like make the tiles, but everything that gets posted is through me. Um, but I was very open with the fact that social media is not my whole life before I went viral. I, like I didn't really use social media. Um, it wasn't a big deal to me. So now that like, it's a big part of my life, I was very clear with them that, you know, I can do more than just post on socials. And they started to see that. So um, I get to go speak at events now. And uh, my my title is now teacher in residence. So yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I get to work, I get to put my hands in a lot of projects mm -hmm. that um, I'm very fortunate for because it's more than just posting on social media now. So as a as the influencer, as yourself, as a brand, do you also have any sponsors too? I would for, hope so. Yeah. For my personal brand. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a, a manager that runs all of my social media, uh, brands and she'll come to me and say, Hey, these people want to work with you. Would you be interested? And that is where transparency comes in because some of these companies throw, thousands to tens of thousands of dollars at you. And if you wanted to and didn't care about authenticity, you could make so much money just by posting these brands. But like, what kind of community are you building if no one trusts you because you just post whatever, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, so yes. this is my favorite yogurt, but you're not eating it and you're not exactly. saying like, you know, no, I won't eat anything else. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or like makeup. That's my number one pet peeve is skincare and makeup because I will get those emails from those companies that are like, Hey, promote our new eye cream. And then I see hundreds of influencers that are like, Oh my gosh, this eye cream's the best. And I'm like, I know you've only used that for a week. So then I'll go on my platform and I'll say, Hey, go like find something that works for you because there's a company right now that's scouting talent to share their, their brands. And they're just paying them money. You don't know. Maybe it does work. You don't know that though. Mm -hmm. You can't know that. So I try very hard to, to be transparent about those kinds of things because it's very shady in the influencer world. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I absolutely agree mm -hmm. with you. One of my uh, friends here, she has a company that's an influencer marketing company. Oh yeah. Yeah. And she's legit. She's very <laughs> aligned with the same values and and whatever, yeah, yeah, values that you have. So she uh, only does business with products that she would actually use and that the employees use, and they all, you know, embrace that type of authenticity with the the products that they share. And yeah. when they are they pull in influencers, and they get free subscription boxes to products, whatever they are. It could be books. It could be makeup. It's usually anything that's beauty stuff, yeah. um, but they get all of these things and they ask them to do the same thing. Like, you know, yeah, you can make a really pretty Instagram post, but it's got to be genuine. Yeah. Yeah. I usually, I, my rule is like, I want to, if it's something I'm consuming, I want to test it. And like two months ago, there was a company that came to me asking if I would try their probiotic to post about. And I was like, sure, but I want to try it for at least three months before I do, I commit to anything. And after month, the first month, I didn't feel any, there was no difference. And I was like, yeah, no, sorry, <laughs> this mm -hmm. isn't for me. Like, I'm sure your product's great for some people, but I'm not going to share this to my following. It's just, that's not who I am. Yeah. So it's easy to get lost though in it. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. I think the other biggest thing that my kids at least thought was, oh my gosh, you always wake up to new packages every day, just surprise packages. Mm-hmm. That's not how that works. No, <laughs> it's and not I'm Christmas like, every day or your birthday. No. And I'm like, how do you think they got your address to send you a package? Like the influencers that are like, oh my gosh, look what came today. Like they know that they know it's coming mm-hmm. for sure. Like they don't just have your address because they looked it up. Yeah. And, and again, it kind of goes back to what I said about Kardashians scripted. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, half of what I see on, I'm rarely on Facebook, to be honest, Yeah, um, rarely. And the social channel that I am most active on is LinkedIn because it kind of cuts through all of the other stuff that's out there mm-hmm. and I'll choose Twitter next, but I go to TikTok because I went, what happened? Are people not dancing anymore? It seems like it's really being used for business. It it's is something that I've observed. And I went, okay. So it does seem to have a real business application. Um, yeah. But uh, the videos are kind of, I don't follow a lot of people is all I can say is so maybe yeah. they're still doing it. I just don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, your for you page must be very curated to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm only on it every once in a while. So like maybe once a week I sit here and go, okay, what is the algorithm doing? How is it actually, you know, what are the filters that they're using? How is it all working itself out? So yeah, I follow yeah. those things. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> excuse me so much. So the other question I'm going to go by getting back on board. Oh yeah. Sorry. I could talk for hours. <laughs> Your favorite quote that you live by. Do you have one? Ooh, um, it, the more that you try to control life, the more that life will control you. Mm. I am a recovered control freak. I like to say, um, I feel like in my teens, my life was very out of control because my dad was sick. And then in my early twenties, um, my uncle got sick and it was just like, continuous things I got out of a very serious relationship and sorry Brinkley is trying very hard to get attention right now um and so I I was a big control freak and I had to really work to realize you know life is going to keep happening no matter how hard you try to control it and you can either enjoy it or you can be miserable because it's not working out the way you thought it would and Mm -hmm. once I took that mentality my life changed life is so much better now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say the same about myself. I would tell people I am a super controlling chick that has learned how to use her powers for good. Yeah. Now, so it's very similar. Yeah. yeah. I think most women kind of are, but you know, yeah. admit it. So, you know, it's all good. Is that your quote or is it a quote that's from somebody else? I think it's from someone else. There's no way I came up with that on my own. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm sure I heard it from somewhere. Yeah, I wasn't sure. So what is the hardest lesson that you've learned that changed your life? Ooh, the hardest lesson. I think it goes along with that, like life is going to continue on, whether you're happy, sad, glad, life is going to keep happening and you might as well make it worthwhile and just enjoy the adventure. Um, My dad passing away was a huge shift for me because it was something that I couldn't control and I thought I could. And so I remember I like right before he died, I said, I like, I hate this. I hate life. And he was like, you don't hate life. He was like, you have such a gift to wake up every single day and live life. And you enjoy that gift because getting older is a blessing that not that many people get to enjoy. And I was like, oh, all right. It took me years to reflect on that and finally understand what he meant, but it it definitely changed my life. How old was he when he passed? He was 62. That is young. Yeah. He, so he, uh, he didn't have me until I was, oh, maybe he was 61. Cause I was 19 when he passed away. He was diagnosed with cancer when I was a senior in high school. Um, and he was, 40, I think when he, when him and my mom had me. So he was much older Mm -hmm. when he had me. So, uh, yeah, I think he was 61 or 62. 
Yeah. Well, that sounds like solid advice and hopefully you let it sink in faster than, you know, years later. Yeah, it, it definitely took some time and some some terrible relationships to figure it out. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what are you most grateful for? What am I most grateful for? Oh, at the risk of sounding so terribly cheesy, I think I'm just grateful to wake up every day and just to have dad said. Yeah, yeah, I really. Uh, so my husband and I ever since we started dating, we do this thing where, um, and I started this before him, but he's just great. And he now does it with me every night before bed, regardless of how crappy of a day it was, how great of a day it was, we have to pick one thing that made us smile. And it could be like the smallest, like, oh, I hit all green lights driving to work today. It could be something. That's hard to do. Yeah, it is. But once you get in the habit of it, you start to look for it every day. So like, like if we're having a really bad day one day or work's going really bad, I will purposely now be like, okay, but what's going to be my one thing? Because I have to find one thing today. And it took a long time to get to that point, but the practice of going to bed grateful is Mm life-changing. 10 out of 10 recommend. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things that I do is uh, when I, if I start getting down is I'll go for a, a gratitude walk is what I call it. And I don't come back from the walk until I am in a place of peace. So if it takes an hour, two hours, I've gone on gratitude walks that are two hours long. (laughs) It's a lot of miles, I can tell you. But I sat there and I went, okay. And then you're breaking down. It's more than one thing. Think of how much you have to come up with in two hours. Yeah, yeah. That ridiculously, you know, but it is, you know, it's everything from... Yes. Thank you that I could wake up this morning and I have two feet because some people don't. Thank you for the fact that I got to sleep in a bed because I see people in the street that do not have a bed. So everything becomes a place of being grateful. Yeah. For people too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, one, I hope you go and you listen to this other, I recorded his show today. His name is Johnny Crowder, C-R-O-W-D-E-R. He created uh, an app. It's not an app. It's a website. It's called Cope Notes, C-O-P-E Notes. And how you register is you just put your phone number in and every day you get a notification. It's going to be something that you can either journal, it'll be something that's a, an encouraging word. It can be anything all over the place. And it's random yeah. and it's sent out to different people. It's not the same message all the time. It's oh, not cool. carefully crafted for who you are. So it, it was designed for a very specific purpose. Anyway, he um, he's done two TEDx talks. He has also... Um, suffered with schizophrenia. He, he said this on the show, he shared a lot and uh, what his mental health journey has been. And it's always focused on gratitude. Yeah. So one of the things he does, just like what you said, you and your husband do, he has everybody in his company before they shut their computer, everybody has to po- post in their um, Slack channel. There is <laughs> three things. And it's the three things that went great that day. I love that. Right? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, his show is going to be really, really amazing. He he launches uh, first of the year of 2023. So, but go check it out. John Crowder and it is Cope Notes. Super good. All about gratitude. So. Well, we're going to take a moment and acknowledge our sponsor, and then we're going to be back to the second half of the show. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. And we're back to the second half of the show where we talk about 2030. What is it going to look like? Okay. What is education going to look like? What do you think it's going to look like? I 
Uh, this is such a hard question because I really genuinely don't know, but I hope that it looks different. And I think we are going to see a lot more online education with the push for working from home. I know so many educators that they would continue teaching if they got to teach from home instead, at least one or two days a week. So I see a lot of hybrid happening and a lot of learning from home. So that would be really challenging if there's a teacher that has children and they're supposed to be keeping their kids on, you know, engaged, and then they've got to keep their own students engaged, engaged. So that would be super hard. Now I'm going to push back on you on this one, because I sit here and I go so much about Well, first off, I believe as humans, we're made for relationship. Yes. And it's really so required that we actually engage with each other. We have five senses. So right now we're using listening, verbal skills, and visual vision skills, right? But the ability to touch and to smell, super important. And that makes that experience of being around people even so much more important, whether it's like, oh my God, he just farted in the room. And I'm saying he, because girls don't do that or (laughs) it's, oh my goodness, you smell really good today, you know, whatever your new cream rinse is. But the point of it is, is that I feel like as kids, if they're not able to be socialized like that in the classroom where they're interacting and it can be, you know, multiple I don't know, three grades blended together. So maybe you're having a more blended approach. Uh, yeah. One school, one school type of a <laughs> school um, classroom. But I feel like there's something that's missing when it goes to online. So I think that the problem is that when people hear online learning, they automatically think there's no socialization. Mm-hmm. But I actually just interviewed um, a couple families who do homeschool. And one of the things I asked the kids was, well, how do you socialize? And their biggest thing was like, oh, we do sports. Like I play soccer. I get to see my friends on the weekend. Uh, We have practiced three nights a week. You know, they're constantly busy with sports. And so I think that shifting our idea of what socialization actually means in that school to learn doesn't need to be eight hours a day, six hours a day. I I really think that the definition of how school is occurring is going to change by 2030. Mm -hmm. So sports is one thing. We know that clubs are another. Um, Mm -hmm. Scouting is really great. You know, if kids are involved with that, that's super helpful. The aspect of what you can learn, I feel like it's going to have to have a more blended approach to maybe it's, I don't know, two or three hours that could be online. And then the rest is, coming together, just like in the workplace, where you come together for um, either conferences, or maybe it's uh, a community trip. Yeah, Yeah. trips. Those are good. But you know, you got to have a nice blend of those to be able to. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, I don't know if there's one correct answer. I just know that what's happening right now is not sustainable and it's going to need to change. Yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that one too. And just about every guest that comes in and talks about education, they say the same thing. Yeah. So the traditional classroom that we know, it it's going to morph and change. And I just feel like, like kindergarten, they go to half a day to be socialized and with each other in, in yep. a most positive way. And then the other half of the day could be, you know, back at home supplemented with homeschool yeah. enrichment. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think but- high school will be more of like back in the day, it was dual enrollment where mm-hmm. you spend half of your day in the classroom with the basics and then yeah. the other half you go out and you're working. I think, yeah, that would be the way to do it. I would like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah, it's going to be really hard. And then where does AR and VR pick, you know, fall into all of this? Um, Were you exposed to any of that, you know, when you were in college or even in your education classes or even in the, in the classroom, did you guys bring in any VR, AR to the kids? What is AR? 
like augmented reality or vision no. virtual reality so augmented reality yeah. like one of the things that we have i work out of a co-working space and yeah. it's a game space so simulation and they have all of this art around on the walls and so you scan this app on your phone and then you yeah. go and you hold it up um the you know whatever the app is uh it's a, a way to look at that art and it all pops out at you so oh, it feels very very immersive yeah uh, you know there's such a pushback with technology i think with people um especially our like my generation and older mm -hmm. because we didn't grow up with technology like i didn't get a cell phone until i was a freshman in high school and I think that the more we push back, we're doing a disservice to our kids because it is the future. Whether we hate it or we love it, technology is the future and we can fight it all we want, but I think introducing it to our kids is going to be the easiest way to, to continue to grow and to figure out ways to combat the problems that come with technology. Mm-hmm. So is there a movie that you've seen that you think is projecting what the future would look like? Because I sit here and I go, Terminator. No, not, I'm not going to be that doom and gloom, but Matrix. I sit here and I go, I, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, that could probably be the reality of what it is. What is the real world that we're in? Yeah. Is this the real world or is it later? And I've been watching this other series called, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, Black Mirror, and it's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I have, I've seen some of it, not all of it. So I've only watched like five out of the 15 episodes and they're really, um, they pose a lot of ethical dilemmas. Yeah. And for me, it's one of those things that I sit here and go, we need to be thinking about what are the pros and what are the cons? You know, if we automate everything that we do, what is it that we actually know how to do anymore? I say, yeah. question it. Yeah. I, I do think eventually when like our great, great, great grandchildren are alive, I think technology might be our downfall. Mm -hmm. um, but until then, I it's think with we're going to have to keep, yeah, we're going to have to keep learning and adjusting and, and growing with it. Um, I think movie wise, have you ever seen Wally? -E? Yes. Yeah, that is a fear of mine of just like no one gets up and moves and everyone's head down. Chairs, those pods, they're just nothing but like yeah. a, a teardrop of a body. Yeah, and I, I, I'm hopeful that that's not how the future is going to be because I think that we are inherently social and we do want to be around people and we need human connection and that the screen can only provide so much. So I'm hoping that that, that isn't our reality. So somebody said to me down at um, Orlando Game Space, they said, we were talking about the movie Wally, and they yeah. said, you know, there's a lot of um, hidden culture that says that how were the people able to be in outer space and be going through the um, whatever, the units, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Yeah, yeah. How, how could you do that? And there was no food or drink on the, on the spaceship. They said they were cannibalizing each other. I went, that's really what? dark. What? So dark. So I started Googling it and I went, oh my God, really? And I was going, sure enough, there's all of this stuff out there about Wally and it, it was not the robots, but the people, yeah, there's like, there's no food on the ship. Yeah. So how were they surviving? And I went, that was another book that I read, you know, The Jungle. I don't know. That wasn't it. But um, there was a book that I remember teaching back in 10th grade. It was a while back. And those concepts are there though. And I went, it's just yeah. of it. Yep. Yeah, I know. It's like that age old question, like are people inherently good or inherently bad? Mm -hmm. You know, given circumstances, what will they do? Anything so. for survival, I would say. Yeah. 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 It's tricky. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there's that dark question. So robots over there where you live, how many robots do you see? Are they in the grocery store? Are they delivering you food in the restaurants? What do you see? 
I don't see a ton of uh, restaurants. I mean, you order off of like an iPad, right? So that's taking someone's job. Now it's a robot. Um, there's a lot of self-driving cars out in California. Um, well, you guys are using those here in Florida. We don't have that many of them. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Or like, like the Teslas that can drive those things. They freak me out, but they're very popular here. Um, yeah. Robots are everywhere. Our house is a robot. I feel like, like alarms. Yeah, Cause it listens to you. Yeah. You have Alexa <laughs> in here. If you say your name too loud, she'll start talking. Mm -hmm. um, My phone does that though. Oh yeah. 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 I could be saying something and then you know how the ads start pop populating and go, they're oh, all, yeah. all listening to us. Oh, I posted not even an hour ago on social media asking about crib mattresses because we're fostering um, ages zero to five. So we have a crib, <laughs> we need a mattress. And uh, within two minutes of posting that, my entire page of it, like Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok is now crib mattresses ads. It's so weird. I guess it's picking up the the words that we may type in there, but sometimes it's like nobody types, oh, pizza. And then yeah. all of a sudden they're just talking and they're going, where did these pizza? Oh, it's listening. From? It's listening. If you've ever read like TikTok's terms of service and use, it's always listening. Like audible listening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is Penelope. She came over to say hi. <laughs> I see her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She's there. Um, yeah. Yep. It's always listening. Well, it's hard to believe, but we're almost at the end of the show. So <laughs> since we, we covered the things that were actually about, you know, working either on site. I think it'll be the best of hybrid where for me, I do not like working at home. I do not. Yeah. It's very depressing for me. I have to have a separation between where I sleep and where I will work. And mm, yeah. I truly have to have that. I also like the social aspects of being around people. And I find that I'm more productive when I have, I can hear them, but I'm not working in the same space and open space with them. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I agree with that. I think I am much more social. However, I have adapted and made it work because the freedom from working from home and my company is like the most incredible company to work for. Um, I have my sister-in-law. Sorry. Um, my sister-in-law works from home and she, they like track her mouse movement. Mm -hmm. Are you okay? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um they track her mouse movement and they track when she's like actually working and my company does not do that they trust that we'll get our jobs done mm -hmm. and we do um and so as much as I like being social and getting to be around people and if I ever feel that way I go to the coffee shop and work mm -hmm. um but the flexibility from working from home and getting to like take my dogs to the vet make doctor's appointments for me go grab lunch with my mom like I would never give that up it it's great. <laughs> yep. Well, and you're about to come become an aunt. Yes. So, do you know what the yeah. gender is? Yeah, it's a little girl. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm so excited. The first one of all the siblings to have a baby. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it'll be any day. And that's the other thing is like, she could have that baby tonight and I can go drive down there and just work from there mm -hmm. you know it's really great do you know what the baby's name is violet elizabeth oh that's pretty yeah so yeah. she'll probably be called by quite a bit maybe yeah maybe. <laughs> unless you know she says no it's violet <laughs> right yeah yeah for sure yeah. well <laughs> what is the best mentoring advice that you would like to share with our listeners it can be anything that you've heard that I know you've shared some of the great things that your dad has said. That's yeah. Yeah. I think my biggest piece of advice, is like follow your passion and the money will follow. I think that is what steers 
a lot of people away from their passion is that they feel like they're not going to lead a successful life and in terms of monetary value for success. Um, And my passion for teaching and education has now blossomed into this amazing career that I've built for myself. And I would have never gotten here if I didn't follow my passion for teaching. Mm -hmm. So that's my biggest, my biggest advice. Do what you love. Yeah. And I think what's so great about that is you may not realize it, but that's what you're doing even in your influencer life, because while you're telling these funny stories about what kids say, you know, it's just all so random when they say stuff, Uh, you provide a different perspective that most people may not see because when they're in the moment, they may get angry or whatever, but you're really educating other teachers and parents. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, because I think what I found in teaching is that it's really easy to feel like you're against each other for teachers and parents and students. And when you come at it as a, no, like we're on the same team and I want the best for your student and we're going to make this a village, it just, it changes the dynamic of the relationship that you have with the, the parents. It's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know when I would go into parent teacher conferences, I would say, so your child's very much a social butterfly. And that was just a really nice way to say your child talks too much. But I think there's a this balance of being able to say something great about that kid. Say, so this is an area of growth that I'd like us to work. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I also really made it a point to like the first time the parents hear from me, I don't want it to be something negative. Yeah. So important. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I wish I was able to have you as one of the, you know, one of the teachers I could work with, or I would have yeah. had you as just somebody that could come in and speak to the kids. So I'm going to be steering a lot more people your way. Cause you're, oh, thanks. You're a delightful bubble of light. <laughs> Listens. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah so true. So how can our listeners find you? On social media, I'm Kiki Southerd on all socials. <laughs> okay. And it's S-U-T-H-E-R-D, right? Yep. And then Kiki, K-I-K-I. Very easy. <laughs> so why is it Kiki? Uh, it's a nickname. My full name's Mackenzie, um, but I only get called that if I'm in trouble by my mom. <laughs> oh, so easy to, you know. You, yeah. Or if it's somebody that wants to sell something to you. Yes. Yeah. And, and now that I'm in like corporate world, I'm much more used to my name being called Mackenzie than Kiki, but, uh, it took a little while to get, to get used to. (laughs) So there's levels of intimacy where people know you and, you know, and what level are they? Yeah. Yep. Super. Well, I want to, Thank you for being a guest. This has been delightful. I can't wait to see pictures of the baby whenever you become an aunt. Share those. I'm going to guess that it's going to be okay. Your sister's probably going to go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'll share pictures because I know like my husband and I talk and when we have kids, I won't be sharing pictures of our babies. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah. Like I don't even share pictures of him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So uh, I just you know, there's a level of, uh, what's the word boundaries you had said. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but the internet doesn't know, like if you Google my name, one of the like most Googled things is like Miss Southard's husband or Miss Southard's boyfriend, because I don't share him and people want to know. So mysterious. I just, yeah, I just try to like really maintain that level of privacy in my life because like no one needs to know everything all the time. (laughs) No, they do not. I agree with you. That's probably why to a large extent, I don't share things on social feed except in LinkedIn, just because I think I'm more private and I don't know, but I'll put comments and things like that. And I'll say, yeah, super inspiring. Thank you for sharing or yeah. Yeah. As long as you're not leaving any mean comments, that always blows my mind that people leave mean comments. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I'm like, whose mind do you think you're going to change? You know, 
<laughs> I think it's usually because they're they're having a bad day or they're yeah you know whatever they're envious it could be a a thousand reasons we just don't know yes unkind people are more of a reflection on them than it is on you yeah definitely well you have a really super day I I know it's still day over there for you over here it's a different time zone for us (laughs) but you have a really good day and I look forward to hearing whatever the announcements are yeah thank you yeah and I will see you at the future of ed tech over in New Orleans oh my gosh I can't wait I've never been to New Orleans I know you said there was another conference you were going to um yeah Yeah, we're going to Educause in next week and then I don't even know what that is it's uh geared towards higher ed oh oh no then yeah it's huge Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to go check it out and see. Maybe they have a virtual attendance. I think they do. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I'll check it out. Well, I feel like I keep going by, but then we, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but really I'm going to go ahead and let you go and okay. then, you know, stay healthy. Go look for that uh, supplement that I told you about for cough. Yeah. Obviously I'm coughing, but I've been talking five, you know, five podcasts. I have one more to go. So that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Have a great day. Thanks for chatting. You too. Bye-bye. We want to thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our production team, Josue Gonzalez, Gio Vargas, Dina Burks, and Lester Eccles. Our music is by Sophie Lloyd, and we encourage you to please remember Employers for Change has brought this podcast to you. So you can visit Employers for Change at e4c.tech, to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion cultures while skilling your interns and your employees for the future of work. Thank you for supporting The Intern Whisper by subscribing to our show on Podbean or streaming on your favorite podcast channel.